When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And they're walking him with the bases loaded and intentional walk to Barry Bonds. 2-2 two two with the bases loaded and one out. Oh, oh my God. Deep to right field. Way. What is going on, everybody? Mike Curlin here of the Bases Loaded Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I am not your host. Something you don't hear me say often. However, I have a, I can't even call him a guest. I'm going to call him the host, the best host, the host with the most from the SP Stewart Podcast, Doug Ishikawa at Coaching Ish on Twitter. Doug, you're going to take over from here, man. Um, this is going to be on both podcasts. This is almost like our form of a uh, was it the fireside chat? But we have to come up with a name for it. So we'll see because I'm going to be working with Mike this season as well, I believe. So still in the works with that. However, I'm done rambling. Doug, take it away. I, I'm glad to be here. Thanks for introducing me. Uh, this is just wonderful overall. It's like a multiverse crossover. It's just so much happening with so much talent. But mainly, I'm delighted to be here to see what it's like to work with another Mike. That's why I decided to do this to work with the real Mike Curlin here. Mike, tell me a little bit about what's been going on with you lately. You've had some big news recently. Go ahead. Plug yeah. it away, my friend. It's, just, it's a lot, man. It's a lot, but um, appreciate it. Obviously, uh, I've been at the Athletic this offseason. It's been a fantastic experience. Still unbelievable, but it's kind, I'm kind of finally, now that spring training is you know inching towards the end, I'm able to sit back and reflect and enjoy it. The big thing for in-season, though, I want to make sure we pl- I wanted to plug my in-season work. So I guess taking advantage of, of your platform over there on SB Streamer and uh, just some of the stuff that's going to be happening in-season. So in-season, I'm going to actually transition from the chart because there's great resources for tracking lineups. But I am going to do a daily article over at skplaybook.com, and it's going to include everything from like top five lineup takeaways, some like players trending up and down, players on the peripheral, so, you know, like a name or two that like, hey, this guy, just watch him. Don't know what's going to happen here. Maybe playing time opens up. Notable injury news and who gains from it. And then I have the Patreon. And I know this is a long plug, but it's just a lot of stuff I have going on. The Patreon is going to be a daily team-by-team breakdown, pretty much outlining all this, but for every single team. So it's pretty much taking the notes I'm starting in spring training, carrying them over. But that's going to be exclusively on the Patreon, which is patreon.com slash skplaybook along with a uh, full-on eligibility watch chart. I'm going to include some eligibility watch in the daily article as well, in the free daily article, but the full charts can be available to the Patreons. And we're going to talk about some eligibility eligibility today as well. So it's like kind of a perfect little like, hey, I'm going to keep doing it. And I'm already That's a better segue it. than I could ever come up with. You should just host this whole thing without me. No, That's man. Fantastic news on your end. Congratulations on joining The Athletic. I've really enjoyed your work 
throughout uh, us having a and building a friendship here in the fancy baseball community. But let's let's get into it today. You alluded to eligibility, but let's break down the top five things that have caught your eye. You're the spring training guru. If Michael Simeone is the streaming pitcher guru, then you are the spring training lineup tracker. So, Mike, take me through the Miami and Atlanta lineups. Let's start with Miami. We have heard, and I have heard, that you can party in that city till the break of dawn. But so far this spring training, we've seen Jazz Chisholm batting seventh on occasion. Hot name. Um, if you're still going into your drafts this upcoming weekend before the season begins, I know there are concerns with the chase rate and the plate discipline. In your opinion, is he destined to be batting near that bottom of the order? Uh, that was actually, so it's funny with him specifically because Chisholm's a guy I faded because I was afraid of the plate skills and the, or the batted balls, not the bad ball data, but the, um, just you mentioned the plate discipline that really concerned me with him entering the year. However, I saw the allure and the upside and the fact that Chisholm is hitting pretty well in spring last I checked. So you pull all that together. I was like, you know what? I have FOMO. Plus I am a Marlins fan, but my Marlins fandom doesn't affect my fantasy analysis. I was like, let me get one share. I get my one share and then Solaire, you know, we get Solaire signing all that. I'm like, sweet. So more lineup protection. Solaire leads off against lefties. I'm like, all right, cool. Chisholm back towards the bottom against lefties. That makes sense. He did it last year. Then we saw Chisholm. Then we saw it again against another lefty. Okay, cool. Again, it makes sense. However, Solaire wasn't even in the lineup and Chisholm was starting to trend towards the bottom half, fifth through seventh. And I'm like, wait a minute. Right, you know, the, 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 the alarm bells are kind of ringing. Let me just watch this. And then we see Solaire in a lineup against the righty, and he was still leading off. That didn't make sense to me. I thought Jazz was going to slot right back up there. He did not. And they haven't shown, even yesterday, in a lineup that didn't even have Solaire and had a couple, like, non-starters in, Jazz batted fifth. So I think Jazz is entering the season with a spot between that five and seven hole, maybe ninth against lefties. That does hurt him a little bit because more plate appearances for a guy like him matter because not that he's a compiler, but – if he just he still has swing and miss in his game. I mean, he did. She has struck it out nine times in 29 plate appearances. It's not like the swing and miss is gone. So there's going to be some volatility already. And now you're taking away some of those plate appearances. It's a small ding to his, his value and his potential. I still don't mind taking a shot on him because it's full upside. However, just it's worth noting that Chisholm might need to hit his way up. And that swing and miss has been there in spring worth monitoring how it, how it works into the season when he's major league pitching consistently. Absolutely. The defending World Series champs have slid over to the Atlanta Braves. They've also been playing around with their lineup all spring training. I know some have thought with the injury to Ronald Acuna that Dansby Swanson and, and his magnificent hair would ascend to that leadoff spot. And you would just see that on an every single day basis. Where do you project Dansby to hit? I hate to say this. I hate to be that guy, but and I thought he was actually going to be a leadoff guy. You could actually find a tweet for me calling him the leadoff guy this was in january before they signed like and traded for like half their team that they didn't have at the time but i think swanson bats in the bottom third of the lineup and what i mean is like sixth would be best case scenario but in this lineup i think realistically seventh eighth or ninth and eighth or ninth could be the most realistic because swanson can act as that backup lead up leadoff guy batting ninth with with a dh isn't the worse it used to you know used to bat eighth with a pitcher was actually worse off back that before that so it's not the worst possible scenario but if you look at swanson his best numbers i believe it's the two of his uh best uh it's a weird split if you look at his splits by lineup spot in his career his two best lineup spots are like six and nine so a bottom of the lineup spot has been better for swanson in his career to this point so ultimately yes he might lose a little bit of value because you're taking away some counting stats and he, Swanson is known to be a compiler. Now, injuries can pile up for this team, I guess, and he couldn't move his way up. But I don't look at this team and think injury-prone players. Other than Acuna, who's coming back from an ACL, I don't see, like, 
I don't think Rosario's injury prone. Albies isn't. Um, Olsen's not like ways from Darno is, but Darno's batting at the bottom with them. So it's like, I just don't see that path opening up and it might take more than one injury to fully get them up to that six, five spot where you would like them to be. So he gets more play appearances. So Swanson has been a guy that I was initially in on all the signings and all this lineup tracking has pushed me off of him at his current cost. I'd rather have like a guy, here's a name that goes after him, uh, Ahmed Rosario. Similar skill set, less power, probably more speed, and batting average is probably going to be the same, if not better, while hitting at the top of a lineup. So he didn't get those plate appearances. So Rosario is a guy I've been pivoting to in my last couple of drafts over Swanson, and I can get him a little later. Yeah, some good tidbits to know both on Jazz Chosom. He's got that two, you know, second base and shortstop eligibility. Swanson's going to be at that shortstop. And, you know, when you're putting together a roster and you're constructing it all just some good things to know with the plate appearances there that those two big names might be slotted more towards the bottom of the order there and while we're still talking on the topic of leadoff hitters what the heck is going on in st louis i've heard tommy edmund and the speed there we've also heard dylan carlson as of late who do you think is leading off in st louis and what's the fallout of this man <laughs> okay i carlson is dealing with a bit of a finger injury i guess i saw yesterday but still, apparently, we saw, and if you look at their numbers last year, Swanson, I mean, Swanson, I'm, I'm already stuck on Swanson still. Uh, it's the Edmund, hair. It's the hair. It's the hair. It's the, it's the glorious, Move on from glorious. the hair, Mike. I can't. It's so beautiful. <laughs> I want to touch it. Um, that's how you end up in jail. Anyway, um, I was, uh, I'm, where was, oh yeah, Edmund and Carlson. So Edmund last year leading off was lackluster. Uh, a WRC plus of 100 is normal. As a leadoff, hitting from the first spot in the lineup, he had under 100 WRC+. Plus. The WOBA, the, uh, all the other stats except for batting average, which I know people kind of still look at for fantasy, obviously, but batting average is not that great of a stat these days, especially in the days of analytics. Carlson outperformed him in every single metric outside of batting average, essentially, while hitting from the uh, top spot last year. And Edmund lost that spot to Carlson under a different manager at that. And this manager was like, okay, cool. I took notes, I guess, because we saw Edmund leading off all spring. And I'm like, I don't, I still think Carlson can do it because uh, Edmund's having a slow spring. And I thought he, you know, spring training doesn't really matter, but it does here because I thought Edmund's leash was short. And I think that they're showing us like, hey, Carlson's might be the guy they roll into the season with. Doesn't mean it'll last all year, but it shows how willing they were to move off Edmund so quickly that I wouldn't trust him even if he got the leadoff spot back at some point or another. But um, yeah. It's only been one lineup. Apparently, there was a second lineup that was going to be released. I saw a beat writer mention, and Carlson was going to lead off over Edmund again. Edmund was going to slot towards the bottom. And this goes back to the same argument with Swanson when it comes to Edmund. You need to realize that Edmund was more of a compiler. You were taking Edmund because he was going to be leading off, and that led to a chance for 30 stolen bases. He was still going to steal, but now the power takes a hit and all the counting stats to do with it. So it turns into like, and the batting average will be okay. So with Edmund, it's more like a one and a half category, like upside play and like, He's dragging you down in home runs, runs, and RBI as long as he's hitting towards the bottom. So he was a guy I faded all draft season because of my concerns. And going back to that same uh, prediction I made about the lineups in January about the leadoff hitters, I actually picked Carlson to lead off entering the season based on their current lineup. So that was one of those things that I was kind of going like gut there. And I've just kind of, so I, I might've just lucked out because realistically there was no reason to believe that in January. It was just like a, Hey, this is how I truly feel. So check out roster resource. They are always updating. You can always go over to SK Playbook as well. Mike's got some great lineup tracker stuff going on there. Hoping to uh, give you a little bit more on the insight of who's leading off. We all want that speed. That's why we love the Tommy Edmonds, the Jess Chisholms, 
the Dansby Swansons, but make sure that you figure out where they're hitting in those lineups to make sure that you're getting those stats that are so yeah, everybody's searching for speed all over the place, but stepping away from the leadoff spot, you know, throughout spring training, there have been several players and Mike alluded to it in the very beginning of this, who have been working at different positions and could gain some new eligibility this season. Mike, who are a couple of names that have really stood out to you that, that might gain some new areas of play here. So there's two, you know, guys that are drafted almost universally and then three that are fringe towards the back end of your draft. So it's kind of a good mix here. Uh, the five that I wanted to bring up today, two of them are Orioles. One guy, I can't go a podcast without mentioning Jorge Mateo. I just got it. This is my guy. I'm planting my flag. He's a poor man's Tommy Edmond. Somebody comp, someone said that comp and it stuck with me because I'm like, he's right. Edmund has the better hit tool and plate discipline, but Mateo has that similar skill set where he can hit like 250, but Mateo can steal 30 plus bases and he's going to play, or at least he appears in line to play every day at shortstop. So he's only outfield eligible. He had a strong finish to the season. I think, again, I think I mentioned it it's so much offhand. I think it's a uh, three home runs, seven or 10 stolen bases and like just 120 play appearances to in the second half. So it wasn't even a full sample size. And we're talking about a guy who's going to play on a team that has no reason not to let him run to manufacture runs a, a team in the Orioles that, and that fence gets pushed back. So the power might get hurt for Mateo because he's, he is a righty, but he's going to, he's going to, that could lead to extra base hits and all that. So it gets him on base more. So it actually might help his stolen bases, which ultimately that's all you're targeting him for. He might give you 10 home runs, but he could steal upwards of 30 plus. So Mateo's a guy that I've been getting later in drafts. Um, I'm at Rosario. I mentioned him before. And I think part of my liking of him is because they've played him in the last three or four lineups in the outfield. Now, if there's a team that needs outfield help, it's the, it's the uh, almost the wrong team name. It's the guardians. Um, the guardians have what Mercado Quan is interesting. I like Quan and Ro and uh, what's his name? Oh man. I was in on him last year and he got injured. I can't think of his name. Does it? Oh, Naylor. Uh, so they have Naylor, they have Quan, but they don't really have anyone else. The outfield's kind of like, man, like it's just a bunch of Bradley Zimmers, Oscar Mercados. So Rosario can easily find his way into the outfield enough times next year to gain outfield eligibility might be more of a slower one. But yeah, that's why. So it's part of the skill set, and then the fact that he could gain eligibility. I think outfield's not as deep as I like. I think I don't think it's as deep as many people might think. So I like the fact that Rosario's going to give me shortstop and outfield. Speaking of outfield, goes back going back to Orioles, where I should have just kept with was Trey Mancini. He's been playing the outfield a lot this spring. I think I think four out of his eight starts, he's been in the outfield, and they've already mentioned that Mount Castle is going to play first base. So Mancini's going to DH, play outfield, and I think it's going to take him probably by the end of May to get it which isn't terrible because then you'll get four months of outfield eligibility. And again, first base being kind of deep, Mancini is one of the guys that his average home run to the pool side of, of Orioles Park was like 390 plus feet. He, and he's not a pool ball hitter. So he's like the only Oriole I'm not projecting a loss of power from because of the changes in the ballpark. And the last two real quick, Garrett Cooper, power, middle lineup bat. He's going to play every day, probably at first base or DH. He's going to alternate him and Aguilar are going to alternate most days between the two. And he's going to, he's, he only has outfield eligibility. He's going to gain first base. And then Rojas, just more of like your Swiss army knife. He already, he already has three positions of eligibility. Give us 11 home runs and nine small bases. I believe last year, again, top of my head. I've been looking at these stats too long, man. We need baseball. Um, Josh Rojas though, uh, Swiss army knife already has three positions. Could gain third base. He's been playing third base all uh, spring training and third base is one of those positions where we don't, where we lack options in the back end. Rojas can be a guy who gives you a little bit of power, a little bit of speed, and now a fourth position of eligibility. So it just adds to his potential value in deeper formats. Yeah, mainly these guys that we're talking about, Trey Mancini, 
a little bit of a power bat, more so towards the middle to later rounds of your draft. Garrett Cooper's always been a very professional hitter. He's just been injured a whole bunch of ton uh, times in Miami there. But looking at that first base outfield eligibility and then everybody, we talked about it earlier, everybody looking for speed. Med Rosario, Josh Rojas, and Mateo as well from the Baltimore Orioles can all give you maybe 10 to 15 to 20 stolen bases there with some eligibility there if you have a middle infielder slot or if you gain that eligibility at third base, that corner infield spot as well. You know, yesterday we saw a big trade send ripples throughout the league as the Dodgers, Mike, very excited about this. Dodgers sent A.G. Pollock to the White Sox. They needed somebody in that outfield, especially after Andrew Vaughn went down with a, a, a hit pointer injury, I believe. And the White Sox sent Craig Kimbrell over to the Dodgers. Mike, who are the winners and losers from a fantasy perspective for these two teams? So instantly, you got to think Andrew Vaughn, either A, is hurt or B, kind of screwed. Because <laughs> uh, they don't seem to have believed in him ever. They don't actually seem to ever care to give him. He's a former top prospect. He still is a top. I would still call him a top prospect. Vaughn mm-hmm. is still a, you mentioned Cooper being a professional bat. That's kind of what Vaughn was kind of supposed to come up and be. Problem is, is they don't have the need for him at DH or first base. Gavin Sheets had a really strong year against righties last year. So I think he's instantly going to gain playing time as a DH every day or most days, at least against righties. So he's kind of a winner. He was already a winner via the injury, but now I think it's just one of those things that Vaughn's the biggest loser over there. Pollock just linear. It's just a, you know, parallel, there's no change there. The way you viewed Pollock before is the way you view Pollock now. The The real question mark here, and I think it's a question mark, and people are just, it's a foregone conclusion that Gavin Lux is the automatic winner in LA. My gut feeling, and it's not going to be a popular opinion, and I had to defend myself quite a bit yesterday on Twitter. I think we could see Muncie, who's been playing a lot of third base, another guy who can gain eligibility, by the way, playing a lot of third base in spring, move over to second base now, I know it's not a storing arm that's injured, but at least, you know, maybe it's less movement, less potential for wear and tear at second base. You move, you put Turner in at DH and Rios can play DH. Rios is having a big spring and Gavin Lux is not. And I know Lux has the former top prospect pedigree. He's always had split issues. So Lux is already not going to play against many lefties as it is. And Rios shouldn't either. He's a lefty as well. And they love the, you know, they like the platoon there a little bit with those extra line spots. But um, Rios is just, he's having such a good spring. He's coming off an injured year, but if you look at 2020, that could have been maybe an idea of what to expect, may, possibly, and maybe not fully, because it was a shortened sample, of course. But um, I just, we're seeing a track record of actual production from Rios. Lux has not shown us anything. I know Lux is only 24. I know he had big years in the minors, but not every prospect pans out. Look at, um, who's the, oh my goodness, it's, I can't believe Miami, Miami traded for him with uh, Yelich. Yelich. Um, oh man, uh, I, I'm trying to, I, I, oh, it's going about Lewin, no, because Lewin Diaz is on my brain, but I, someone's going to hear this and know who I'm talking about. Brinson, Lewis Brinson. Brinson was that guy that was like a can't miss prospect, toolsy in the minors, was just turning into kind of a quad A player. Not saying Lux is there yet, but what if that's Lux? People almost don't want to accept that. So maybe I'm a little biased right now, but I'm really thinking that Edwin Rios is going to be who gains more than Lux does. Lux is still going to be useful in fantasy. Lux is going to play multi, multi multiple positions. I can't talk to him. Like it's all up here and it just still doesn't want to come out <laughs> or it's all trying to pour out at once. Lux is a uh, Lux is going to be this year's Chris Taylor. I know it's funny to say because Chris Taylor's still on this team. I think Chris Taylor's just going to play every day between the out in the outfield and second base. And Lux is going to fill in as needed. Plus Bellinger could just suck. And then we get a path to playing time for Lux that way. But Lux hasn't necessarily pushed his pushed the Dodgers to force him into the lineup. That's where that's my argument. He hasn't shown success yet at the major league level. 
everyone's like, well, give him run. This team wants to win. They're not going to just give somebody run to help them learn, let them grow through their growing pains. They want to win. And even in the beginning of the season, I think they're going to do what they can to put out their best lineup to win ball game. It's already so, over, though. Dave Roberts has already come out and said that the L.A. Dodgers are going to win the World Series. So, yes. like you said, Mike, if Gavin Lux struggles here in the beginning, I th- you don't think that he gets the shot right off the bat here? See, you no, think it's going to be Rios yeah. off the bat? I think, oh, wow. I, I think Lux is going to factor in. I'm not saying he's not, but I do think Rios gets a bigger look initially because mm. and the and the path is going to be by getting Muncie back the second base where he played last year opening up third base where Rios can play third base and first base but Freeman's at first and they've been putting Tucker at the DH a lot I expect the DH to be kind of alternated to keep guys healthy you know Will Smith will get some um not Tucker it's, it's Turner I'm wrong guy Justin Turner uh, Turner's been at the DH, not Tucker, excuse me. But uh, Rios can DH, Rios can play third base. He can play the corners to give each of those guys a break. Lux is going to factor in again with the shortstop, second base, and some outfield. So both guys will play. I just think Rios gets first crack with the healthy with the healthy lineup. We'll see. I mean, I was just looking, hoping that we'd get a lineup today that kind of maybe gave us a little hint, but nothing yet. Well, hopefully they, hopefully they show their hand a little bit say, I'm okay if I'm wrong. I'm fine being wrong. I just... I, I, I'm, I need to see it from Lux to buy in and truly believe. Like, I've, and like I said, I got attacked a little bit on Twitter yesterday, and I get it. I get it. But this is that's my gut feeling. I'm going with my gut on this one. I like that. And, and just as a reminder, Mike, Twitter should be the place where all formal conversations and debates <laughs> should be taking place. So just know that as you, uh, as, anytime you put out a, a nice little thought like that. But let's finally wrap this thing up by going rapid fire. I don't know how fast we can go rapid fire here, but – we're going to put you to the to the coals here and uh, ask you to get a little clairvoyant here with three questions that we're seeking answers for. So right off the top of your head, give me some ideas on the clarity on PT for Reds and Pirates players. We have a lot of movement for both of those teams there. What do you think is going to shake out in both Cincinnati as well as in Pittsburgh? Let's start with Cincinnati. You want to start with Cincinnati? I can answer this real quick. I have no idea. That's why I, <laughs> I want, that's why I'm still seeking answers. And and for those who might not know, PT playing time. I just I abbreviate it. I call it PT. It's so much easier. But um, I don't know. <laughs> I think it's gonna. I think we're gonna get Mustakis and Naquin a lot in the for the Reds, which makes a lot of sense. But then Senzel, Aquino, uh, Akiyama, uh, Fam, and Fam's gonna play every day. Like there's no chance. There's no reason they wouldn't play every day. So it's like. I think Naquin, but the problem is, is they don't have, it's like they have a lot of their lefty loaded. They have Fraley, who I think is on the outside looking in now. Friedel on the outside looking in now. So those guys, I think, take the biggest hits. Senzel's been playing like exclusively in center. So I think just because he's the center fielder, he might play most days. And another former top prospect, but they're going to want to keep him healthy. So th- that one's getting a little clearer, but the Pirates, the Pirates, I have no idea. So rapid fire them is um just watch. Kyle, uh, Cole Tucker is somebody for deeper leagues. Kevin Newman's going to play most days. Diego Castillo. I believe that's who it is. Not the pitcher, but the hitter. He's having a really strong spring. And they're right with Hayes out. There's a clear path to playing third base where he's been playing this spring as well. So uh Dio Castillo is just a name to keep on the on the back of your brain. And Vanessa Hutchins' boyfriend, Cole Tucker. <laughs> Am I right about that? I don't know. Okay. I, I trust you. I trust you for that information. <laughs> All right, let's move to the second question here. Philly's playing time outlook. And we've had a lot of people, and if you check out your Twitter for those formal conversations there, Bryson Stott has really been rising up the ranks here. A lot of noise with him. Um, You still have Alec Baum and Didi Gregorius there. What's that outlook for playing time between those three players? So I found an article on MLB.com, which is a great place to go looking for information because I was surprised how much like they get a lot of managerial quotes and just 
topics. So it's a great place. And no one ever thinks, everyone thinks, oh, let's find this place. No, MLB.com, as basic as it sounds, go check it out for some information. But I found an article there that was t- from Girardi's mouth. Pretty much it sounds like Stott's going to break camp, which I, I think, I don't think they, they haven't announced yet. So this is, again, another, what I'm reading through the tea leaves here. Stott's going to break camp and he's not going to just play third base shortstop. He's going to play second base as well, it sounds like. And we were seeing that in spring. He's bounced around the, the whole diamond and he's performing the best of these three. With Bohm coming off a down year, and I think it's the Welsh that uh, mentions that Bohm's not an analytically driven player that he likes. He's so maybe that's kind of holding him back from truly learning everything. I can't speak to the, I can't speak to that much, but I know what the Welsh has some concerns with Bohm. I believe in the Welsh because he does prospects for a living basically. So um, that can, that, that, that I kept that in mind and I've been monitoring this and with stop performing as well as he has Bryce Harper loves the guy. And this team is built to win and lacks defense. If Stott's a good enough defender in the infield and outperforming both DD and Bohm, he's going to play over them. Um, I really like Bryson Stott, and I've been going out of my way to get him. I even took him in a 12-teamer. Like That's that's mm. actually a shallow format for him right now. I, I took him yesterday in my OC. Yeah, you head over to Fangraphs, and you look at the roster resource right now. You have Gregorius uh, penciled in as a seventh hitter playing short. You do see Stott in there batting ninth playing third. So something to, to keep in mind as you're finishing up your fantasy baseball drafts here. And we're going to finish it here by asking Mike the last question. Astros leadoff hitter. I know that there's been a lot of topic of discussion here. Uh, we saw Altuve regain that position there. I know that you've been fighting for uh, Kyle Tucker to be moved up in the lineup as well. What happens out of Houston? So I'm starting to just accept that what we saw in the playoffs and most of last year is just going to carry over with Kyle Tucker batting sixth or seventh, mm-hmm. even without Correa, they like to go lefty, righty, lefty, righty all through the lineup. So to me, it made sense. Oh, you want a leadoff hitter. You can keep that same lefty, righty trend by moving Tucker leading off again over Altuve. It, made, it just made sense. I'm like, you can keep the same movement throughout the lineup. They have not even given us a look of that they've given us Pena three times Siri once and someone else I don't even know if they're on the roster I mean I think a look but honestly it's been a headache I do think I know Altuve has been vocal and Dusty has backed him saying look I know that's he doesn't want to lead off however Altuve sucked it up last year and did it I don't think that they're gonna just throw somebody else up there I sound it seems like Dusty wants rather just make him deal with it because I mean and last and the last lineup we saw with all the starters he was, uh, Altuve was back to leading off, Pena towards the bottom. Pena still deserves your attention because he's going to play at shortstop, looks like, every day. So it's one of those, like, dark horse AL rookie of the year guy type guys. Uh, showed, flashed some tools. Everyone talks really high, highly of him. But, uh, yeah, right now, I think it's going to be Altuve, if I had to guess, you know, gun to my head type of deal. But it's still a fluid situation entering the last, like, five days of spring. Yeah, five days left. Uh, I think it is. I'm training. I here. just threw a random number out. It's five or six. I know it's close. We're coming. You know, I know because I'm it's counting single down digits, the days. Mike. It's I'm, single digits. I'm counting down the days because I am tired. <laughs> well, you've been doing a fabulous job. Congratulations on working over at the athletic. Thanks. Make man. sure that you check out everything that Mike's doing. He's got the SK playbook. You have a discord as well. Do you want to plug that before we get out of here today? It's also part of the Patreon. Uh, so if you check out patreon.com slash SK playbook, you'll find it. Um, it's one of the, what we offer in one of the tiers. Um, but don't forget to plug your own stuff, man. You guys have yeah. a discord. You have, well, again, you know, Michael it's, it's, Simeon is the master at SP streamer. We have a bunch of great writers over there. Lauren Arobach is Michael's co-host. You can check it out. We have three different podcasts going on this year. We have the Michael and the Lauren one going. They're going to be doing like a weekly breakdown of everything that you see throughout the fantasy baseball landscape. Um, we also have a prospects one going on right now. I'm going to be on there on Sundays. 
Um, we also have the SP Streamer membership to help you win your leagues. It's the Discord chat. We still have a draft kit out there. And for this week, all the way up until we get to regular season baseball, if you want to put in the coupon code of one week at the checkout, if you head over to spstreamer.com, you can get the basic membership for $5 off, which is pretty awesome. You get the preseason draft kits, the Discord sheet, the bonus articles, and more. Make sure that you go and check out everything that we're doing on both the sites. You know, we're independent sites here. Mm-hmm. We're working our tails off here. And I just wanted to make sure that you knew who was doing the um, the Dynasty podcast. We have Drew Wheeler, Peyton Skinner. Go check out both of their work as well. Um, fabulous working with you today, Mike. It's awesome seeing you. One of the, uh, the, the best and brightest and upcoming young minds in the fantasy industry. And I uh, hope to do this again with you. Uh, appreciate your time and talking about some spring training lineup tracker stuff. That's always fun to do right before we get to the regulars. And then guess what? I get to keep talking about it all year long. That's one thing I am going to make sure. I, I I guess one last plug is that on the base of the pod with we'll do some cross pods again for sure. But um, this is going to be a niche subject that I'm going to continue doing all year long. So it's going to be something that kind of like how you guys started doing your daily streamer thing once upon a time. And then you guys still have all these other things. You have all these awesome niche content ideas. I'm, I'm like, you know what? My turn for a niche content idea. So um, if you're interested, if you liked what you heard today, don't worry. Simeon won't mind. You can leave him. Come to me. No, okay. But uh, in all seriousness, uh, I do appreciate it. I love working with you, Doug. You're one of the best. I always say you're one of the best hosts, if not the best host in the industry. I truly enjoy working with you. And I think you're great. So I hope you keep up the good work and um, we'll talk soon, buddy. Talk soon. Well, for the Bases Loaded podcast and the SP Streamer podcast, combined together underneath one umbrella of all the knowledge and information that you need for your upcoming year. For Mike Curlin, I'm Doug Shikawa. Take care, everybody. We'll see you very soon here.